0: Yeah, it is Father's Day, isn't it? Well, that's where the Word, if you if you don't have a handout, if you would, raise your hand up, please. Um, it's Father's Day, and the Word that the Lord put on my heart this morning. I know we're still in His presence of God, but God ain't letting me go back to that yet. But He's telling us, celebrating Father's Day, and the thing is celebrating the Father of Fathers, our Heavenly Father. You know, uh, one, of my, one of the movies, I, I'll say one of my favorites, a movie I like, pretty cool, really a lot this movie called Princess Diaries. I think that was the one. Isn't it one that has one and two? I know it sounds crazy. I knew I was going to get a laugh when I said that, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's along with Princess Bride, you know. But uh, but Princess Diaries is one thing that I really like about it, just some of the character that comes out in that movie. uh, I think I'm thinking about the right one, aren't I? It's where the girl, it's the story of a girl who just thinks she's uh, ordinary, orphaned. Um, child of a single mother, you know, just living in a loft apartment and going to a, going to school. And all of a sudden she finds out that her father was a prince and she is a princess. And, uh, of course, I love, you know, Julie Andrews. That's the only musicals I've ever liked. It was one she did was like Sound of Music or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but in that, you know, just her discovery of who she was. And who her grandmother was, who her dad really was, just really was revolutionary for her and changed her whole life, even changed her appearance, which is really cool. I think how they did that in the movie was just really kind of cool. And it's just so cool to me to see her, that transformation of that, her discovering who she was. And I I got thinking about that. That's exactly how we are. No, we're, we're. You know, it talks about it in Isaiah 53 how each of us has gone each to his own way. And we, we we're orphans. We don't know who we are could be children of. And then when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we, we receive a new nature. We're transformed spiritually into his image and likeness. But our soul has still the heart of an orphan. And I'm writing a book, one of the books I'm writing, is called The Heart of the Matter." It talks about the heart of God the Father. And and when all these different characteristics of the heart of God the Father, where he's, the heart of the Father loves, the heart of the Father gives all things, the heart of the Father reveals all things, the heart of the Father disciplines, the heart of the Father pursues, uh, the heart of the Father speaks glory and honor, the heart of the Father uh, gives grace and mercy. Well, that's his heart. But as I was getting ready for this, I was praying about today as Father's Day, uh, the Lord just says, I about my nature? Because you know in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, where it talks about both he who sanctifies and he who is sanctified are from one Father. And for this reason he says, I'm not ashamed to call them brothers. This is Jesus referring to us. And then it goes on and says, in relationship to Jesus, I will go proclaim your name to my brothers slash sisters. Or he says that also in, in John chapter 17, verse 20, 26. He says, I have made your name known and will make it known. And we know here in Dwelling Place, the nature, that name will refer to the nature and character of it. When you're referring to discovering the nature, the name of God, you're discovering God's nature and his character, or heart, the character being the heart. Well, this morning the Lord is really saying, who's your daddy? What's his nature? We're going to focus on that side today. The nature of our Father. Now, there are fathers of us in here. There are us us in here who are fathers. Now, I want to speak as also remind you, sort of, when I've taught the thing on the heart of the Father, uh, you know, that when we see who He is, it transforms us into His likeness. You know, like it talks about in the. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. is He who has fixed his hope on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, y'all, uh, a lot of people will look at me and say, Hey, oh, you're looking more and more like your dad all the time. Or they look at Shay, "Oh, you're like your dad. They won't say that about Michelle. That's my father. But, you know, because that, they see this likeness right here. All of a sudden, my prayer is in this two things. One is, as we catch the revelation of our Father, and as we see who He is, it clearly it will change us not only in relationship to who He is and our relationship with Him, but also it can empower us to walk as fathers a whole another levels. And that's the whole thing today: it's for us to discover who our father is celebrating father's day and there's a couple of things i just like i said i don't have powerpoint and it's like i think there's times for us to just get used to using our bibles right and so you know so you know there's a couple of them i want you to go to let's go with me real quick to john chapter one and sort of lay some foundations here and it goes here that y'all in christ if we're born again we, have, we are born again with and from a Father who is in heaven. If I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, you know, there's things, massive transformations occur that occur and are occurring and will occur. And in John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received Him, this is Jesus, to them He gave the right, the right, the authority, literally the authority, some virgins may have power. It's not the Greek word for dunamis. It's the Greek word exousia, meaning authority to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. To believe in Him, He turns around when we exercise our authority to believe and receive Him. He gives us His authority to become children of God. Now, y'all, we we'll start to talking about all the awesomeness of He is. Now, y'all, you ever wondered? Uh, Why is everything in this realm so veiled about who he is? His his heart and his awesomeness, which you're going to see today, Lord willing, that I can able to communicate this stuff. Have you ever wondered why it is so veiled? Like it says in 1 Corinthians 12, for now we see through a glass dimly. And, and I've told a story in here one time that I think is so appropriate to tell right now again, and some of you have heard it, and some of you have not. So if you'll indulge me telling the story again, because it fits in here with so much, was that that guy who guy's name Lieutenant Don Blanchard? Do you know, many of y'all remember me telling the story about Lieutenant Don Blanchard? This guy who was in the he was in the army in World War II, and uh, you know in World War II when you'd go in the army, you go in the army, in the military. I mean, you're there for duration, and so at the at the start of war he gets he gets he's going to boot camp and he goes to boot camp and he knows he's getting ready to shift overseas and he goes to a, a bookstore. He's a Christian and he goes to this bookstore and he wants to get a book that he can carry with him to just bring inspiration to him while he's overseas. So he gets this book and it's used and uh, and he noticed that it that it was uh, you know it's a very inspirational book but it had been it was another previous person's a lady and she had put all these notes in this book and so he bought this book and he took it and as he starts to read this book, I mean, it's an awesome book, but the thing that really inspired him more was the, uh, the notes that which she put in the book. And also the interesting thing in the front of the book, he, he put her, I think for some reason she had her name and address in front of the book. So he's, he gets this book and he's reading it and he goes overseas and he's in, in, in time of war. And this book and her notes became a time of inspiration for him. So he wrote her. He wrote her this letter, and uh, and so he starts, and she writes back, and they start this relationship. I mean, uh, you know, I, I say relationship, just writing letters, and he just back, and he's, she's continually writing him and encouraging him in his relationship with God and, and just speaking faith into him to be able to face the battles that he was facing overseas in the middle of war. Well, she, he asked for a picture for her from her, uh, you know, of her, and found out she was single, but she, he found out, but she refused to send him a picture. And so after the war ends, you know, they had continued this relationship. And so, uh, you know, he's wanting to meet this woman who was such an inspiration to him and encouragement to him in such a time of darkness and turmoil for him. And so so they're going to meet, and I think, uh, I can't, what is it, Uh, central, oh, what's the big train station, yeah, yeah. When he's coming in, and so he wrote her, and she says, "Well, I want to meet you, and so can I meet you?" And and uh, and so she says, "How will I know? You won't see me a picture." And he says, "Well, I'll be carrying, you know, uh, uh, I'll be having a let's see a, a yellow, no red. I have a red rose, I think it was. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. You have the book. I get the story backwards here. You have the book, and you have a rose in it." And uh, and I'll come to you, and so and so she's just going, you know, what is this? So anyway, um, I got it mixed up. Sorry, that's why I don't tell jokes. I forget the punchline. She's carrying the flower. He's got the book. That's right. She's carrying the flower. Thank you, Ingrid. Probably everybody here's heard the stories. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling the story. My stupid is coming out of this. But anyway, but anyway, so, yeah, she's got the flowers. She's going to have the flowers. So he's looking for a lady with this rose. And so anyway, so he gets there and he's just anxious to meet this woman. But as he, he sees, he gets there and he sees this woman across the train station with this rose. And he's describing this woman and sorry uh, how this comes out. But just a woman who's very plainly dressed, you know, uh, older than him and, and stuff like this, and it just kind of, his heart sunk, because he's thinking, you know, just the sounds of her words were so sweet to him, and then he sees her across the room, and he starts walking toward her, and he's going, here's the woman that encouraged me so, so so long in such dark, dark moments, and so anyway, as he's walking toward her, all of a sudden, this very, very, very beautiful woman in this yellow dress just comes by and bumps into him and says, going my way, sailor? And so he just bumps into him and just walks on. And so here he is like torn. He's going, whoa. Do I go after her? Or do I go after the woman with the the rose? The woman who, quote, sustained me for so long. And so he's at this choice. He chooses beauty, attractiveness for this woman. So anyway, so he decides, well, you know, this woman was so faithful to me. I'm just going to go up and just meet her. So bad. So he goes on, and he walks up to this lady who has this rose, and he goes, uh, Hello, ma'am, I'm Lieutenant Don Blanchard, such and such. And the woman looks at him kind of perplexed, and she said, She said, I don't know what this is all about, but that woman in that yellow dress that just went by you handed me this rose and told me that if you came up to her, came up to me and said to me, uh, and introduced herself, to tell you that she would be in the coffee shop across the street waiting for and, you. And know, you know, she's smart. She knew she was beautiful. And she didn't want somebody coming for her for just for her looks. She wanted a man of God who was going to come to her for the character, the depths of who she really was. And so... You know, he passed the test, so of course he goes across the street. <laughs> and you know, whenever I hear that and think about that story, I, so many times I think about our God. Because the world comes along, you know, with all these distractions, and God comes along and goes, shows us glimpses of his beauty and his awesomeness and his splendor. And he's saying, go on my way, and we're thinking, what? And that's what today I hopefully, I I pray that in the Spirit we can unveil and catch some revelations of the awesomeness and the beauty and the splendor of the majesty of our God. How do I do this in just a brief amount of time? About such vast subjects that some of the things that we could speak weeks, if not months, about these subjects. It's because, y'all, when we... As it says, we believe in him, we receive the right to become children of God. And like it says in John chapter 3, verse 3, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, it says, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We're literally born again, they're literally born from above. And he goes on to say, truly I say to you, unless as one is born of the water and of the spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So, y'all, when we believe and receive him, we become born from above. And you've heard me say this before. ask you, where are you from? Well, the reality is you're not from this world if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're not from here. You can be if you want to be. But God has called us to be from heaven. And when we're born again, I uh, have a nature of my Father who is in heaven. You also is true. And so, who we're we going to celebrate? Who he is? And so, one of the first things, if you would, turn with me in First Corinthians chapter eight, verse five and six. Now, y'all, the awesomeness of the Trinity is so phenomenal. And to me, be honest with you, we try to theologically think it out and philosophically think it out, and we miss it—the awesomeness of the Trinity. But I, you know, I do not have a problem knowing that I have a heavenly Father. He has sent His only begotten Son who they were pre-incarnate there where Jesus cries out and He says, The glory I had with you before the world was. Can I have it? And you know that they exist. Where we see in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God. We know that that Hebrew word is Elohim meaning three or more. It was the Hebrew delineations of a noun have three delineations, singular, dual, and plural. And we know that Hebrew word word is plural. And we know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then we know also in Genesis one twenty-six where it says, let us, a plural pronoun, let us make man in our image and our likeness. I mean, it's a God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So we got agreement. we got this plural delineation with God. Where we see in the beginning Genesis one. In 126, we see the fullness of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Somehow, so many times, we lose the awesomeness, the relational reality of them, and we try to compress them down into one. The Word of God says there is one God. The reality, when it says one God, who's who's it talking about? And if you'll notice in Genesis chapter 8, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, I'll start at 4. Now concerning eating things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and there is no God but one. Or even if there are so-called gods, or that, whether in heaven or on earth, or indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God. Notice what it says: one God, the Father, out of whom are all things, and one Lord, through whom are all things. Now in this simple passage of Scripture, but even though it's not so simple, is the reality of the truth that there is one God and Father out of whom is all things. Now Jesus, the only begotten Son, who being in the very form of God, meaning God's form, God is God, is God. so He has an only begotten Son. He has a Son. He is God. In the beginning was the Word. In the Word... Be- uh, was was God and the word was with God. Well what is that? I love that in Genesis I mean in John 1.18, where it says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father has seen, has explained him. So in, in what you see this delineation of the awesomeness the Trinity, where we can really know without a shadow of a doubt, there is a heavenly Father heavenly father and he and literally the delineation is notice what it says in verse 6 from her from literally the Hebrew the Greek preposition is the Greek preposition act there's two types of prepositions in the Greek literally one meaning uh, out from and another one's ek which means out from the midst of like if you drew a circle and a would be like from the edge of the circle out And ek would be like out from the middle of the circle, out. In this passage here, it says, we're out of whom are all things. So, God, if there is anyone, any being, anything in existence, it has come out of the heart, out of our Heavenly Father. Through Jesus. He's the through. God the Father is the out of, and the Holy Spirit is the agency of. That's how the Trinity full operates, in fullness. But the important thing for us on this Father's Day is to know that this Father who we may not have known, He is the one who out of everything has come into existence. Everything. And then we're, that we know in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 31, there is this awesome declaration. What it was made, and God sa- saw all that He had made, and behold, hear this phrase: It was very good But He made it all. It was very good. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to me when I was when I took Hebrew in seminary. My, there was these uh, Hebrew phrase, uh, no, uh, types of verbs called cohortive and just joseph and they they express um intense desire and longing and uh these hebrew verbs about god make creation are those has those uh, delineations in them to express when god it just it wasn't got god said let there be light it wasn't that it was this intensity of emotion where god's going let there Because you all know that when he said, let there be light, we were in his heart. Because he subjected all of creation to futility. I mean, he made creation pregnant with us. And so, God, our Father, our our Father, y'all. Our Father is the one who made everything. He made it. And the next step I want to take in this to catch revelation about him. Is that he is all powerful. And if you would, go with me to Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. And also, like, the, y'all are going to get used to, uh, I want you to go to Daniel chapter 9 also. We're going to look at two passages of scripture here. And it gives us a cool picture that of our, the character, I mean, not the nature of our Father is, I mean, he is, can we say, powerful? Y'all, I, I mean, there's a few times in my life. For the power of God, I mean, you know, and there's times, yeah, where the power of God's been on me that I can't even stand. The only thing I can do at one time, the only thing I was preaching, and there was a pulpit there, and the only thing I could do was crawl up in the pulpit because the power of God was so strong on me. Or the power of God were, like, you know, I've seen him were God defender of me. But one of the things that came in my mind this morning is a friend of mine down in Florida who was this wild prophet, dude. I mean, he was wild. Wow, Prophet dude. Guy saw in the spirit, man. And uh but he would go. He was a white guy, went played running back at Georgia Tech way in the back back in the day. Get saved, radically saved, had long red hair and wore a navy blue windbreaker with Jesus is coming written on the front and the back in aircraft orange paint. Crazy dude. Spent spent three years in a Mexican prison for dealing Jesus. And they in there and they said that uh the big thing was in that time was the thing was kill a gringo, and so he'd sleep for a period of time, you know, and uh, you know under a toilet, just to keep. He, he said really keep him get his throat slashed while he was asleep. But one night, this guy operated with such power, of God. He one night, one day he said he was in a Mexican prison. This guy was trying to give him a hard time. And come and blade he came to him, and he, he told the guy he says, you know, he told him he says in the name of Jesus, I tell you stop. The guy kept walking. He said I tell you in the name of Jesus stop. The guy kept walking got Bob goes in the name of Jesus stop got killed over dead. it's him mouth he goes into one time he's in belglade florida down on fifth street down there and that's not a cool place for white people to go down there and uh um and so bob went in there just passing out these prayer cloths, you know just just hanging out just dealing with Jesus and uh and uh and this this dude came up to him and said you white s o b only one s o b you know that. He popped out a blade and walked. started walking up to Bob, and Bob says, You know, Bob's just dealing Jesus. And Bob looked at him and said, In the name of Jesus, sit down. The power of God hits the guy. Ka And Bob just kept preaching around. The power of God just to manifest. But when we're talking about God's power, this, those are just small little illustrations of the, the power that which He can operate in single situations. But when we start talking about the awesomeness of God, we see these pictures of like in. In, um, like in Revelations chapter four, um, verse eight, character of our Father. I am mean, sorry, I got caught there. Telling this, like in verse eight, it says, "And four living creatures, each one of them. This is a vision where John, sudden, John seeing in the Spirit. He's in the Lord's standing Spirit, and he sees into heaven, and he says." And he said, uh, I'm going to skip on down in the middle of this thing. He's seeing, he says, there were four living creatures, each of them having six wings, full of eyes around, full of eyes around and within, and day and night, they did not cease to say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Y'all get that, y'all. Some people say, well, y'all sing y'all songs a little long. Well, listen, these dudes are not stopping. Day and night, they're saying, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Almighty, that Greek word there, just picture of all-powerful. I mean, He is all-powerful. There is no one more powerful than Him. And it goes on to say, uh, when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him and sit to Him who sits on the throne, Him lives forever and ever and 24 elders will fall down before Him. And it goes on and talks about this awesomeness of who He is. But almighty, all-powerful, and and there's some also. Let me show you this Daniel nine passage in Daniel chapter nine. I'm sorry, it's not nine. And I put it on the notes nine. It's seven. It's one of my favorite passages. And I've read it, you know, and all of a sudden it's a, a vision that Daniel's having of the last days in verse in verse eight. This picture of the Antichrist, which he, he, he's a bad dude from earthly perspective. Operate with signs and wonders, deceiving many and causing all kind of crazy things to happen. He's Satan's man, being manifested physically. All that Satan can muster up, and who he is, he puts in this one man. We've seen evil, like you know, the spirit of Antichrist has manifested. People like Hitler, or you know, and other other rulers in this world that have been brought death and destruction. But all of a sudden, we, we see the Antichrist. I pray we don't see this Antichrist. We'll talk about that later, later, another time. But anyway, when all the fullness of of this Antichrist is manifest, all the fullness of the power of Satan is there. And notice this in verse 8. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn came up. A little one came up. Among them, three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man uttering great boast. This is the one. So he's doing all this great boast. He's doing all these crazy things. And then I, I like this. I mean, you got to see the scene, y'all. On the earth, you've got this Antichrist uttering great boast. I'm it! I'm it! And that's what he'll do. He, he just raises up and he'll raise himself up against the most high God here on the physically in the earth. And, and then in heaven, I kept watching until thrones were set up. And all of a sudden, the Father comes in. The Ancient of Days took his seat. I like this. His vesture was white like wool. Hair like his his hair of his head were like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with fire. Its wheels burning fire. A river of fire was coming forth out of it. You're talking about the Lord as a consuming fire. This is one of the main places where word come from. Thousands upon thousands were attending to him. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat. He came. He came in. Okay, you got this. You got. You got this. This antichrist uttering these boasts, doing these crazy things. All of a sudden, the father comes in. He says, "This is enough." And he had purpose. There's the X period of time that this sucker is going to operate. But he comes in and he goes. The court sat, books were open, and notice the next scene that you see. It says, then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. All powerful. That's our dad. We got the biggest dad on the block, y'all. And this is our this is our daddy. Our brother's pretty bad, too. This is our daddy. And he will exert his power. How does he work it? Well, Romans eight twenty-eight says that he, he works to cause what? All things to what? Work out for our good. Now you go, if he's all-powerful, then why not? We'll talk about some of that as we go on. Because but you've got to get in your mind, first off, that our Father is all-powerful. When we come to realization of the reality of the power that is within him and we operate within that, we can walk like Jesus did. When all of a sudden Jesus comes along and Peter pulls out a sword and tries tries to be the big bad defender of Jesus and slices, knocks his ear off. Jesus says, Peter, 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 put the sword up. Come on. Don't you not know that I could call 112 legions of angel, angels? In my understanding, a legion was 12,000, so 12 legions, that's 144,000 angels. And you realize one angel killed, how many was it? 170,000 Assyrians? Historical fact, the whole Syrian army wiped out one angel. Could you imagine what 144,000 angels could do? I think we calculated one time, the earth's population could be wiped out more than... bunch of times and Peter's pulling out a sword or or Elisha when he and his servant were there and a whole army was around them surrounding them and and there the servant goes out and sees this army and he's all freaked out and Elijah comes out paraphrases what y'all upset about don't you see the army Lord open his eyes that he can see and around them was an of flames of warring angels Oh, okay. Or our God. Our God. Our Father. Let's put it this way. All power. Third thing that God put in our heart to share with us is that He is the sovereign ruler. He is the sovereign ruler. You know, in Psalm ninety two I'm sorry, not Psalm eighty two verse one it says, He judges in the midst of the rulers now we see this story we see this picture of this in uh, um oh man in book of job where you see that the angels Satan and the sons of God coming to present themselves before the lord he is the sovereign ruler that literally all the spiritual realm has to present themselves before him and we'll talk about that in a few minutes but but the reality is, y'all, and we'll talk about it in a second here, he's the sovereign ruler. But there's an interesting thing that I want you to notice what I've wrote there. in his This sovereignty question is one of the most inder- misunderstood, I believe it's one of the most misunderstood, most destructive misunderstandings in all the Word of God. Throw out questions like God is in control. And you've heard me preach on that before. Thirty-three kids are killed at Virginia Tech. Thirty-two kids are killed, and somebody goes up and says, "God's in control." Well, to a parent of one of those thirty-two, goes, "Well, it looks like God uh, kind of um, if He controlled this into it, then." And one of the book, one of the other books that I'm writing is on God as a safe place, and one of the whole sections in it is on the sovereignty of God. And I found out in the Word of God as I did research. The sovereign God creates everything with purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. But there's another step to it. The sovereign God allows purpose, time, boundaries, and authority to be violated. See, that's the crazy thing about our Heavenly Father. He, and I can feel this, He is so awesome. In His sovereignty and power, He does not wield it like a big stick. But He has all sovereignty. He is El Elyon, God Most High. And He, the sovereign God, creates everything with purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. Like authority over our own will, 1 Corinthians 7.37. How about our faith? Your faith. Your faith. Like in Romans chapter 14. The faith you have, have as your own. God does not force you what to believe. So He does, He gives us, the sovereign God gives purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. Our Father. But then He allows purpose, time, boundaries, and authority to be violated. Like one simple one, you know, even angels can violate their boundaries. How about in Jude 6, the angels where it says, they abandon their domain. We Y'all, our name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundations of the world. It is God's will for all men to be saved. But that will can be violated. Like it says in Luke chapter 7, where the Pharisees rejected God's purposes for themselves. We can violate the purposes of God. The third step in this, that the sovereign God holds accountable how purpose, time, boundaries, and authority are used. But then, the really exciting to me about the sovereign God, or we can change it this way, our sovereign Father seeks to redeem purpose, time, boundaries, and authority. On. Our sovereign God, our Father is sovereign, but He gives us the authority to come in line with His purposes. even gave His only begotten Son the authority to come under His will. We see in Revelation thirteen eight that Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world. But yet, in the Garden of Eden, not uh, Garden of Eden, I'm sorry, in the Garden of Gethsemane, We hear Jesus struggling with this issue. Father, if there is another way, let this cup, what, pass from me. For I know that all things are possible with you. Can there be another way? But he said what? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. How is it that we are saved, y'all, is that when we hear the declarations of God the Father, where he declared that Jesus has a name which is above every other name, and that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, how is it that we are saved? I mean, confess Jesus is Lord. We are saved when we come in agreement with that. We exercise our authority to fulfill the purpose that the sovereign God had created for us before the foundation of the world. We come in line with. Child abuse is not the, the purpose and the plans of God. For we know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says God's plans are plans to what? Prosperous, not to harm us, but to give a future and hope. Rape is not the purposes of God. Our Father is the Sovereign, and He. Let me tell you something. There is there is a time quote. He's in control in this sense that He sets the boundaries and the parameters of which things will be exercised and used. All of that purpose, time, boundaries, and authority, He will exercise and flow in that. And notice the I'm going to skip uh, the the the, uh, the fourth one. That the character of our Father in Heaven is that He is absolutely just and right. Psalm 89, 14 says, you've heard me quote this many times, the foundations of God's throne are justice and righteousness and loving kindness and truth go before Him. He will not, cannot do anything that is not just and right. Because you know why? Our Father is justice. Our Father is righteous. Now we get so used in this world to getting things being gray. Well, let me tell you something. In the spiritual realm, there is no gray. I mean, there is no gray. I mean, just this week, ministering to a a woman who had massively, demonically harassed by demonic spirits. Massively. I'm talking about crazy manifestations. And it continually amazes me that those spirits are there because of legal rights, justice being brought about out of the courtroom of heaven where we see... Like in many times in the Old Testament where we see like uh, in relationship to Saul was one of the places. Evil spirit from the Lord was sent to terrorize him. Well, what is that? Out of the courtroom of heaven, y'all. Out of the courtroom of heaven where a sin has occurred with Saul like his rebellion out of that legal right was given that Satan could then terrorize and torment. That's, you know, I could go on and on about that. But it amazes me when Somebody does a simple act of confessing a sin of which a spirit has gained a legal right to torment. Because you know what it says in 1 John 1, 7? In relationship to justice and righteousness, think about that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Faithful and just forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You deal with that sin, you speak to that spirit and be gone in Jesus' name. the sovereign God, when Hit when the justice issue was dealt with, because the justice issues of every sin that was ever committed, past, present, and future, was dealt with on the cross. The check was written. All we have to do is cash the checks. And that's why the power of this is that the sovereign God, he, we can count on justice and righteousness of Him. In Deuteronomy thirty-two, four, I, I just. Uh, 324. It says something. It says something really good, I know. It says the rock. Proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe the greatness to our God. The rock is his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and in, without injustice, righteous and upright as He. Yeah, oh, that's why many times I've been in situations and circumstances and sit where, where all of a sudden, in fact, I, I was plant, getting ready to plant a church one time in a city. I'd gone to meet with a group of people about planting the church, and all of a sudden, God gave me that passage out of, Out of chronicles and those sword beats says let the fear of the lord be on you be very careful what you do for the lord your god will take no part in unrighteousness partiality or taking of a bride man i got afraid and here i was there getting ready to become a leader in this this church and god said you better not take part in this and i go i just go oh i can't be a part of this can't be a part of it and that's why you know that in dp a lot of people make joke about me about how many times I repented before this body. Well, you know why? Because God is just and right. If we sin, we better make it right. If you know that I've sinned, you better come and help me make it right. And so, you know, I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of of being wrong before people. I'm afraid of being wrong before my God. That's what I am afraid of. Not that I'm afraid of Him. I love Him. I know Him. I love Him intensely. I know His heart for me, the found. But, God, and I know what goes before Him is justice and righteousness. But I know His nature and character is just and righteous. That is my daddy. There ain't no cutting around the edge on Him. You know, because you know why? Our daddy also, it says about him, he's holy. Holy. What does that mean? Oh, holy. Because, well, you all know Isaiah 6 where it says, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The fullness of the earth is his glory. We read the passage out of Revelation where the angels, the, uh, the four living creatures are declaring the holiness of God. Three, three times. That's perfect. What's holy mean? Amen. Oh, man, y'all have heard us said it. You know it. It's that which we're, we're set apart. He, holy means separate. God is totally separate from anything, anyone. This world cannot come close to Him. He is separate. He is uncommon. And He is clean. Well, y'all, you know, now this is not a thing. You're, it's important to be afraid of. Because you know what? My daddy's holy. What does that mean? That the the nature of my daddy is holy and he's imparted me his nature? What does that mean my nature is? So he says, be it. Walk in who you are. You know, grace your Eli. We had him. But they can't. But if they had puppies, they would have the nature of them. Dog. Because they're dogs. You know. And you expect a dog to do dog stuff. Right? Bark all night sometime around the house. You know, they're chasing bears and deer and coons and possums. It's cool. Let them bark. But that's their nature. You know, But it would not be cool for me to look up and see, uh, you know, Michelle going out there where uh, we have the big Tupperware thing of dog food and dipping her a big tub of dog food out and eating out of Gracie's dish. the Sabrina's dog child. You know, that would not be cool because why i would know michelle michelle i would go michelle you're not a what oh when it's the word of god says be holy for your father is holy what is it it's saying wake up you're separate you're common you're not common you are clean is it because of anything we didn't know according to hebrews 13 it's because of the blood of jesus It's made us holy our big brother coming, separating us. So our Father is the one who which out of which are all things. Our Father is the one who is all-powerful. Our Father is the one who is the sovereign. Who operates in total justice and righteousness. And our Father is holy and righteous. Holy, holy. He's holy. And I, Here's a crazy one to me. Our Father is all-knowing. Psalm 139, verse 1. Let's look at that real quick. Oh, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You you do know when I sit down, when I rise up. You do understand my thoughts from afar. You do scrutinize my path, my lying down, and are uh, intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know. You know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before me in... And, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me; it is too high, I cannot attain it. You know it. You know the other night we're at we're at this wedding rehearsal, and uh, the waitress comes, in, you know, serving us all Amanda's in uh, Richard's wedding rehearsal, and so we're there. And all of a sudden, Paul and I are sitting there with uh, uh, Swifty and Lauren. And I said, no, I just, "Just highlights doing the one. Thumbs up." Told me that she's going through a time of confusion. And God's that for her to know that God has plans for her, not to get distracted. So we speak it to her. She just goes, I don't know. I mean, how real that is for my life. What's happening? What the sovereign God, knowing what's in her life, going on in her life, wanted her to know that He knew what's going on. Because so many times we think that we're God forgets about us, He knows. He cares. He does. He cares so much about us. I always forget. What comes church in? Yeah, I guess not. So, my father, our father knows. And y'all... I want you all to notice what God put on my heart. His knowing, and if you would, turn with the Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In his knowing, he sees and operates in faith. You know, sometimes some of these interns that I hang around with are kind of crazy and their questions, they're always trying to nail me many times. and <laughs> get me in a space. And they go, okay, well, God, God sees everything, knows everything. Well, how does he see? Well, I, I think it's simple. You know how he sees? he sees in faith because he's a faith being what does he see he sees us just like a, he's a father how does a father not bound up with with frustrations and bitterness and stuff with his with his kids he don't get bound up he's holy he sees in faith because he's short-sighted no because he loves us he is a faith being and it, it blew it blows me out of the water this Romans chapter eight, you know, where it says in Romans eight, twenty eight, for God causes all things to work out for good, and those accord according to his purpose. But look at the rest of this in verse in verse twenty and twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, foreknew. For those whom he foreknew. Okay, that's called the verb tense there's past tense. Watch this. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the images of his son, that he might become the firstborn of many brethren. Whom He predestined, that's past tense, He also called. Called, that's got to do with your salvation. Those whom He called, whom He also justified. Whom He justified, He also glorified. In other words, y'all, if you'll notice all of those verbs, all of them are past tense. Every one of them are past tense. They're in the same time. In fact, you can go to Isaiah 53. 700 years before Jesus died on the cross, in the descriptions of Isaiah 53 about Jesus on the cross, surely our griefs He Himself bore, our sorrows He carried. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him, for by His stripes we are healed. See, God operates in past time, and He operates in past time because, uh, and future all at the same time. That makes sense. Huh? He's eternal. There are no time of Him. All at the same time, He's past, present, future. It's like it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that which is and that which has already been, for God seeks that which has passed by. What? Because can see our Heavenly Father loves us so much. He purposed it in past time, and he is working to bring that which he purposed and established in past time into the reality of the present and also in the future, all at the same time. It's crazy. It's cra- it, You're not crazy, God. I mean, it's crazy. Remember the old TV show back in the 70s, Twilight Zone? God is the ultimate. We think Rob Sterling did it, but God was the <laughs> 60s? No. That's, I, I, I wasn't born. <laughs> yeah, Forgive me, Lord, for that deception. But anyway, I mean, our father knows. <laughs> One time somebody came up to go, go to Michelle and said, said, Michelle says, oh, man, I bet, it's, I bet it's cool having Rick as your dad. She goes, baloney on that. The Lord will tell him stuff before I even do it. It's true. I'll go to her and tell her stuff before she'll, she's in it. That's not a cool thing for some places. It's a good thing. I remember Daryl, my friend, uh, he was praying one morning. His daughter was the same age as Michelle. Her name was Brittany. Daryl was sitting there. He's praying. All of a sudden, the Lord showed Brittany at the high school cafeteria. And showed her sitting at the cafeteria, at the at the at the table. The Lord showed him who she was sitting with and all that was going on. So Brittany came home from school that afternoon, and Daryl goes, "Britta, sit down, please. Tell me what you were doing with so and so, so and so, so and so. At at lunch table, I saw you sitting there with them.
1: Yeah."
0: That's the heart of God the Father. He knows. Is He doing that just to blow her out of the water? Yeah, but in a good way. Because that's the heart of God. He knows. But you know, but this is this is important for you to know from this side. When you're in this place that you feel dark and alone and nobody knows what you're going through, He knows. You go, well, why ain't he exercising all this sovereignty, all this power, all this, all this? Well, I'll just say this to you. Your Heavenly Father will not rape. you. The decisions and stuff we make in our heart, he gives us authority over our own will. That's first Corinthians seven thirty-seven. He will the things that we've chosen to receive into our heart, to believe in our heart, he will not come and yank them out. The things that I've chosen to hold on to, the unforgiveness that I've chosen to hold on to, exercise my authority. He says to us, turn loose to it, turn loose of it, to just exercise our faith. The faith you have, have as your own conviction before God. But blessed is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. He knows, and that, you know, y'all, that has got to be the hardest place for a father. And a mother. Because I know I've seen and times that when Michelle or Shay, I know, or without a shadow of a doubt, are embracing something that's going to bring death. And you know what? I can't do anything about it. Well, but there are a few times, y'all. There's one time this old boy was hurting her. I, y'all, y'all were very fortunate that I was not in jail. And Burby and Mark was going to have to come and bail me out. I would really resolved in my heart. I looked at Paul and I said, well, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to hurt this guy. I'm going to go to jail. And she looked at me and she said, what you say? I'll never forget. It. I was driving on 460 out there out from the corporate research center. I just resolved in my heart I was going to hurt this guy. I wasn't going to kill him. But it would be the last time he had hurt Michelle. Because that's my little girl. And she looked at me and said, you will not leave me with this. I repented. But I can't help it. Our Heavenly Father wants to hurt somebody sometime when he sees somebody And That's when Jesus said, like in Matthew chapter 18, he said, You cause one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it's better for you to have a what? Millstone around your neck and be cast in the sea. Because why? He knows. He knows. That ain't a negative thing, y'all. That's a good thing. Because, you know, when I, y'all, the crazy thing to me is that when I, like Psalm 139, 16 says, and eyes have seen my unformed substance. He saw me in my mother's womb. And he, and at the very next phrase, it says, and in thy book all the days were ordained for you, when as yet there was not one of them. In other words, the very moment he looks at me and sees me in my mother's womb, he saw everything that I would ever do. But he also saw the plans that he had for me. Well, we know Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us the plans he has for us are what? Plans to what? Prosperous and not to harm us, but to give us a future and a hope. But he, see, he sees that. He sees what we would get into when we're in our mother's womb. And he starts working to try to redeem us out of it. Then you go, and I say this so many times in counseling sessions, That very moment, it says he looked and he saw us in our mother's womb and he saw all the days ordained for us, yet there was not one of them. The very next phrase says an
1: interesting statement, which I preface it by this. If God the Father, if your life was on the TV screen of
0: life, you remember there used to be an old TV show called This Is Your Life. You remember that? That's another one of those 60s things. That's way back. And so this is your life, and it just, the deal, can you imagine your, your life's up on a TV screen, all of a sudden in the throne room, God, somebody comes in, like I come in and go, whoa, that's Burby, oh yeah, God, Ooh, I didn't know Burby did that. You know, knowing everything about Burby, every moment in Burby's life, God knowing, and all of a sudden you go, God, go God, okay, God, my question is, you knowing everything about Burby, what are your thoughts about him? That's what Psalm 39, 17 says
1: when it says this.
0: You want to know what God's thoughts about you, knowing everything about you? He says this, how precious are your thoughts, O Lord? How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand of the sea. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. In other words, God's declaration is he knows everything about us, but guess what his thoughts about us are? They are precious. That's my daddy. And y'all, that's why it says in the Word that he is
1: forever faithful. When we're without faith, he remains what? Faithful. He remains faithful. Like that dad and the prodigal son. When we come back to him, he's seeing us afar off. That's, my, that's our daddy. All-knowing, our daddy is life. John 73,
0: Jesus says, "This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ in the sin. Let me tell you something:
1: you cannot crawl up in His lap and not have anything but life. And I said in your notes
0: there, life and light. John chapter, first John chapter one verse five says, "In Him is light; in Him there." In Him is light, and in Him there is no darkness. It says this in American Standard. There
1: is no darkness at all. So in, in relationship to our Heavenly Father, y'all, guess what? He is always life. He's always light. That's why with all confidence, y'all, I can minister to somebody, you know, who, you know, how many times have we minister to people who have lost loved ones, you know,
0: and and seen the hope and despair of that loved 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 one who was who was who's sick and died or experienced some traumatic death, and the the taunt of the enemy is telling them, well, God, your God had plans for them. God planned on this. Your God did this in some way, shape, or form. And how many times have I been able to say to somebody? In reality, the truth is, is that your father, your
1: daddy, is a safe place. was recently, ministered to a woman who, who went through horrific past,
0: and y'all just the hopelessness in her life. But the reality was to be able to speak to her, her father is a safe place because in him is life. In Him is light. And one more step, y'all, in that. In First John 4, 7 and 8, our Daddy is what? Love. He don't contain love. What?
1: He is love. And y'all, the exciting thing to me about this, y'all, nothing will ever separate me from His love. Height, breadth, you know, nor any
0: other created thing gonna separate us from the love of God. God, that's undif- that's different than my love. You know, Shay and Leela and Francis and Max spent the last uh, Francis. They spent the last six weeks in Europe, in Macedonia. Well,
1: Max and Francis were separated from my love. Couldn't get to him and hug him. You know, I knew he was safe. Where's my papa? Probably got all that. <laughs> but, but anyway, but you know what? With our Heavenly Father, ain't nothing gonna separate us from His love. I don't care whether you're in Serbia, or Greece, right, Ben, or wherever else, North Pole, South Pole, or any any angel or anything can separate from me, my love. I'm going. Daddy, I need a hug. You remember,
0: like I told y'all the other day, I'm mean just even even you all sleep can't separate you from his love. Or sleepiness. You remember, I was telling y'all about walking in the dorm dorm up there in Pennsylvania, half asleep, going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, coming back, and all of a sudden
1: God says, I love you. Yeah. That's cool. That's my daddy. That's your daddy. I I like that. How about this one, y'all? James 1.16. Do do not be
0: deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes from what? Above from the Father of lights, from which there is no variation or shifting. Our daddy only gives
1: good gifts. Just put it this way. There's no weird surprises at Christmas. <laughs> Dude, I remember one time, this
0: precious love mine of mine, I will not say this on the air because it will be recorded, but
1: there was this weird puppet in it. And I was probably in my 20s. And I'm going, what do I do with this? <laughs> I don't know what the heart was even. But, I mean, you know, I would not characterize that a good gift, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know what? Our Heavenly Father always gives good gifts.
0: In fact, he can't vary from that. And I love this uh, in Psalm 35. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this as we prepare to finish this thing up. Let's let this sink in about the character of our Father. Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified. Why? The Lord, your dad, who delights in the prosperity of his servants. Now, in the Old Testament, it's referring to servants. In other words, what God's saying here, your father's saying is he delights in your prosperity. Now, now, y'all, you go that's the case, the sovereign God, all-powerful God, how come He ain't putting something in my bank? But I will tell you this. He delights in your prosperity, but he also delights as much or more in your heart and that your heart would no longer have the heart of an orphan, <laughs> but that to have a heart of a son who knows he,
1: has the, he or she has the power to make wealth. But his, the important thing is to catch the reality of the heart of our Father.
0: Did he, you know, or this other one in, in thirty six seven. How precious is thy loving kindness, O God. Your children of men take refuge in the shadow of the wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house. I like that.
1: They drink their what? Fill. It's not God just says, just have a little bit. Drink your fill. Hey, y'all, it's not in here right now. Watch Ben Harris. oh yeah. Ben Harris is a
0: mess God has been busting on him just all the time. Just really just I mean power, phenomenal visions of the Lord I mean, I met he and Shelly the other day for breakfast like crazy, and he's just you seeing him drink god's fill And you know and i'm going there he, I'm talking about you boy ben I'm talking about you. But, I mean, that's what God's heart for us is to drink our fill of the rivers of His delights. Yeah, I love 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, where it instruct those who are rich in this world to not fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, now, y'all, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Now, that is His heart. That is His nature. I'm sorry. I can speak his heart, and his heart sounds similar to his with his to his nature. But realize this. This all these things, these these I think there were nine of them, nine characteristics that I expressed at the heart of the Father. Heart of the Father, our Father, out of it, he is the creator of everything, all powerful, all sovereign, holy, justice, and righteous. He
1: is all knowing, life. And light, and love, and desire to give. Now, what's that got to do with today? Father's Day. Well, first thing is, I want you to go with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Part 23. Ah, uh, we can start 22. We can start at Genesis 1-1 if we wanted to.
0: <laughs> that in reference to your former manner of life, in other words, um, your past daddies. Some of you in here, you don't want to be like your daddy. Right, one time I was praying with this guy. He had a real hard bondage of anger, and we were dealing with him, and, and he was trying to get the root of his anger, and he's, you know... And all of a sudden, somebody gets a prophetic word. He, he, his parents were like divorced. He had been divorced. His dad had been divorced five times. His mom had been divorced, I think, five times also. He lived raised up with his grandparents, and and so, uh, so we're praying with him about this anger issue. And all of a sudden, the Lord says uh, to one of us, "says uh, You got issues with your granddad." And he goes, look, at us, said, man, y'all, I have prayed about all the anger issues the relationship with the relation my granddad. I just don't know if anything else could be." And uh, all of a sudden, he goes, he he was praying on, and all
1: of a sudden he goes, oh, wait a minute. And what his confession was continually, I'm like my granddad. And you know the nature and character of his granddad was? What? A man of what?
0: Anger. So he's confessing he's like his granddad. So guess what he's becoming like? His granddad. That's why the Word of God says confession is made unto salvation. And so, but notice this, that in, for, that in reference to your former manner of life, lay it aside, the old self, which was being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, or literally, I think in Greek it should read, by the spirit in your mind. Now watch this in verse 24. Put on the new self. Put on the new self, new man, literally in the Greek. It's your spirit. It's your soul coming on and taking on the identity of the new self, the spirit self, which is what? Watch this. Which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Those are just two of the characteristics that we talked about in God. What he's saying is put it on like a coat. Like Brian came in here this morning. He put on a coat. He's taking on a coat. So guess what? The nature of this coat is is affecting Brian. Why? It's keeping him warm. Well, y'all, God's saying, take this nature on. Two ways. It's very, very important here. Celebrate the reality of who our daddy in heaven
1: is by what? Taking on that, all that who he is, all that who he is. Oh. Power. Man, we can walk in power. Sovereign. We
0: can come under the authority of the Most High God and operate in under His authority. We're like Jesus says, All authority's been given to me. Go and make disciples. he told the disciples, you know, you know, you know, you've got authority over all the power of the enemy. Holy God. Receive it. Receive it. Now, we've got to remember now, I can't hold on to that wall and that wall at the same time, right? That wall's holy. That wall's the world. Now, I can't hold on to the world and want to be like the world and grab the holiness of God. Let me tell you something. You look at that wall and you head in the direction of that wall, you will become like that wall. Just turn your back on that wall and go for that Put it on. All the nature we've had. Now, on the flip side of this, too, this is the call that God has set to me in our heart. That's in relationship to us just walking. But I think this is a call for us as dads. As dads. Because you know, one of the things that I have found to be one of the biggest stumbling blocks for kids in, uh, in, uh, one of the biggest stumbling blocks, not the but one of the big, biggest stumbling blocks for kids is hypocrisy in relationship with parents. The vision within the home, and we talked about this last week. And one of the biggest things we can do as dads is walk in, receive who our father is, and walk into who he is, who he says. with. See that and respond to it. And I'm, you know, that's where mercy and grace comes in, y'all. <laughs> Let me tell you something, I'm convinced of this. Parenting is just two words. Mercy, grace. And that's where reality as kids are. Is they see the mercy and grace of God us hidden in the direction, and we just embrace the mercy and grace of God to fill the gaps. And there's the call. So, Mitch, I just want us to celebrate. We've got a daddy. Is good. Can y'all say this with me? Our daddy. Can I say it again. Our daddy is good.
1: If
2: anybody else says anything, let me know too. But. Just texted me if, if I want him up here. To, <laughs> he's in the prayer room. I was like, I need you. <laughs> um, I, it was just really interesting. I had an awesome privilege uh, Thursday. Was it the Thursday night that we had to come here for youth camp. Thursday. I'm, I'm telling you, what Thursday night we got to come and the the electricity went off up at the property. So. We had to adjust and bring all the kids here, and, you know. And I was I was kind of in the back, and I was like, "Man, this is kind of a bummer." Because you know, because you know, camp's cool. I mean, it's it's out there; it's kind of separate, set apart. And now we're kind of back at church, and we're you know they're kind of in their you know normal everyday thing. But we started worshiping, and, and a couple songs into it, just uh, they got a word about you know your own song. And, And and coming out with, you know, there's some people that needed to come forth and and declare some things. And so, all of a sudden, Caspian um, Driscoll got up and just began to just say say these, I mean, sing these statements, uh, which is one of the youth. Caspian came up and started singing these statements over and over, almost for like 15 or 20 minutes. You know, and of course, part of me is like, you know, maybe we should transition and go on. But, man, but all of a sudden... The Lord, I mean, I, I got to experience one of the probably top five greatest moments of spiritual walks in this place with with students this, this, this weekend. Because all of a sudden we just started saying, let it rain, you know. Let, uh, let it rain, open up the floodgates of heaven. And I'm serious, almost like immediately, like God just began to move in the youth. And like Liam O'Reilly came alive, uh I mean, just started declaring, prophesying, speaking, and I, I'm I'm serious. I like we could not stop the youth from declaring and prophesying to one another. Like it was just amazing, and I'm up there as a dad, you know, just watching it, just understanding that this is what it's all about. Like this is what our heavenly Father's doing up there. Like, come on, you can get it. Like. You know, really release yourself into all that I am. You know, just get free. You know, just be free to declare and love and be who you are. Josh Worley was over there declaring and prophesying. And, I, mean, every, I mean, every you. I mean, it was awesome, right, Jeff? I mean, and like I said, I, all I could do was st- <laughs> I did, I, You couldn't even hardly get in a word edgewise because they were, they just took it over and declared and was, kept it going. I mean, it was 11 o'clock. I'm like, mm, maybe we need to get them back out. <laughs> to the... i got to get up in the morning and go to New York. And, um, but it, was, it really was amazing. And, and really just from a father's perspective, looking at it, I was like, That's what it's about, seeing the, the children released into who they are. And, and, I, and I think that's what the Heavenly Father is saying. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good Father's Day because he, he's going to see us released. Into who we are, and into all that. So I just declare. I just want to speak that because number one, it was just powerful. Um, And the cool thing was, afterwards, the Lord revealed to me. I meant to call B. J. McDonald and declare. I'm like, I think it was totally the Lord that they were here. And I speak this to you youth, because you need to know that it's not a camp experience. It's a you can be anywhere. Especially, we need you guys in this body declaring what you guys were declaring that day. I, I mean, I was like, I was getting messed up. And um, so I just encourage you now. There's three words for healing that I want to encourage you. A left knee, a right forearm, and something to do with heat or body heat. I'll take that one because I am always cold. <laughs> I think I have a disorder of some sort because <laughs> I'm always cold. But, uh, but if, you, if that's one of you, is Kevin here? Would you come up and just Kevin we get Kevin to come up here? and He's just going to uh, be there for prayer. But let's let's just stand up. I'm just going to just close this in prayer. Just feel I think. I just want Josh to declare a blessing of the fathers, um, and the fathers to be, and I think some of us um, that want to be fathers, too, and just encouragement. I just heard also that, and we're going to minister into this, that, you know, my just that word, my father, my mother may forsake me, but the Lord, the Father, God will take me up. And I just felt like the Lord was saying that today. I got the privilege of going up to New York to marry James Coxon. he doesn't. He knows his earthly father, but he's not in connection with. He doesn't like. He didn't even know he was getting married. Just, but it's just amazing how James Coxon has overcome that and really taken the father up. I mean, he is resilient about that, and and it's just amazing how he he has grown up and matured in that and being able to even at that time. So I just encourage it. God wants to take us up as a, as a as an awesome father. So I just want Josh to pray over Susan.
3: Well, dear God, we just come to you today. We just thank for all the dads that are here, just being able to uh, transform themselves from people of this world to people who will praise you for the rest of their lives and be able to um, lift up their kids, lift up their wives, just lift up everybody they're near. And just to be able to walk in in your presence and be able to um, describe what you have said to them and put your words and your actions into reality and be able to set an example for those who are under them and be able to just uh, prophesy to those who are in need of it and those who are looking up to them for help and for understanding in stuff that they don't understand. But God, I pray that you would just give all the fathers here just strength to be able to stand up for those who they love and just be able to love you and take your words and use them in their lives for the the rest of their lives. And I pray that they just know that you love them and that their strength is your strength. And everything that's theirs is yours, and everything that yours is theirs. Just in my prayer, Amen. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, Lord, I, I want to tag on to that because, Lord, that that is what he's... Lord, that's what you spoke to the prodigal other brother, uh, Lord, when He when He declared that you know you didn't give me the fatty calf you didn't give me all this i got slighted i got shorthanded and he declared into him he spoke right into his spirit and he said son all that i is mine is yours so lord i just pray that god that you give good gifts god that, that you declare and god some of us just need to to know that this morning god just the, the, the father's love and i just encourage if you need that this morning if you just need Uh, Us to pray uh, just the Father's love over you this morning. I just want you to come up and just stand. We're just going to close out here and pray. But if anything this morning that you need uh, that has uh, spoken to you or ministered to you, or that you need ministry for, I just want you to come up and and stand. And if I can have a couple of the uh, prayer people come up, that would be awesome just to be here. So Lord, we just thank you for this morning. God, you are faithful. God, you are a faithful God, Lord. I thank you that. God, just for the testimony of Thursday night, God, just seeing sons and daughters rise up and declare and speak and prophesy and and declare into each other, God, and minister into one another and and take up that which is in them, Lord, God, that you've filled them with with that. And, Lord, we just thank you for that. And, Lord, this morning, if anybody, Lord, I just pray that, God, if there is a place, God, where we want to, we just want to be released in relationship to the Father, I just pray we just come and get prayer this morning. God, because we need to enjoy you, God. We need to enjoy life with you, God. God, because you are life, and you are life abundantly. So, Father, thank you, Lord. We just declare, Lord, a, a happy Father's Day to you, Lord. God, because you are a good daddy. God, you are a good father. And, Lord, we just declare that. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I love you guys. Enjoy your week. Have a good Father's Day, and we bless you.